In American society, money is a taboo topic. We're taught at a young age it's improper to talk about it, but we're also bombarded with messages about the power and importance of money in our everyday lives. And by not talking about it, we miss out on the skills and lessons we need to effectively understand and financially plan. That changes today. Welcome to Money Tales. Hosted by Sandy Brager and Cami Doder, Money Tales brings more than 35 years of combined professional experience in personal finance to demystify money and demonstrate what it's like to speak openly about personal financial matters. Join us each episode as they interview modern-day movers and shakers about how money decisions intertwine with their daily lives in order to give you better insight into productive financial conversations. Subscribe today and register for our blog, Fathom, at aspirient.com slash podcasts to increase your money mojo. And now, here's Cammie and Sandy. Adapia Verico is our guest this week on Money Tales. All long-term investors have lost money at some point, usually due to market fluctuations. Many years ago, Adapia, who worked in finance, lost her entire life savings when she was defrauded by a private placement she invested in. As she tells us, even though she was the victim, she positioned herself as the perpetrator in her mind during this period of time. Adapia blamed herself because, with her background, she thought she should have known better. The shame she felt kept Adapia from wanting to talk about the experience. But when she ultimately got over that, it transformed her life and her purpose. Today, Adapia is the CEO of Funky Ventures, which develops and invests in emerging technologies and intellectual properties with impact-driven economic models built on the ethos of Web3. Adapia is also the co-founder of Women of Wealth, a nonprofit dedicated to moving women at all socioeconomic levels from financial literacy to fluency to mastery. Her mission is to eradicate financial shame. Here are three key money topics Adapia hits on in this conversation. First, the importance of self-trust. When it comes to investing, don't ignore your intuition. Second, Adapia encourages us to do a 360-degree financial review. Don't just view your finances at face value. Look at assets, liabilities, income, expenses, and risks from all angles. And third, why it's critical to understand the emotion driving money misunderstandings in a relationship. One way to do this is to make sure you're clearly hearing what your partner has to say. Reflective and clarifying questions will help. We hope you share this episode with a friend and please subscribe to Money Tales on your favorite podcast platform. Now, on to our conversation with Adapia Dorico. Welcome to the Money Tales podcast. I'm Cami Doder. And I'm Sandy Brager. Cami, I'm just coming into this conversation from a phone conversation with a client who was freaking out because they made a money mistake. And I thought it would be good to talk about money mistakes here. They're hard. I hate making mistakes. They're not fun. This mistake came at a cost. The client had a bill to pay. They were manually paying the bill. They had written the check, put it in the envelope, kept the envelope at their desk. And then the envelope got buried and they realized a month later that they didn't send in the check. As a result, the payment they were making was assessed a 10% penalty. This resulted in thousands of dollars of penalty. So this client was feeling awful, they felt. 
they were just really kicking themselves. And they were very nervous about sharing this information with their spouse because they couldn't believe that they had done this. We talked about owning up to mistakes. Nothing good ever comes from just brushing them under the table. We talked about how it's a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. We discussed other strategies for making payments and maybe even just moving toward more of an online payment to avoid that risk of the envelope being misplaced. The real true concern here was the conversation with the spouse. And that's where we spent a lot of time talking. I'm wondering, Cammie, can you think of a time when you have owned up to a money mistake? I really have empathy for this client you were talking about because I'm someone that wants to brush it under the rug. Like I'm so embarrassed. And then as a result, it gets bigger and bigger because I haven't dealt with it. I remember I missed a payment and there was a fee to it, like this 10%. It was significant. And it just made me sick to my stomach and I was embarrassed. I'm not that person. So I didn't want to talk about it, but I found myself sharing it in story at another time. And that was cathartic to some degree. I'm glad you shared that. So you can empathize with this client. And yeah, I think there is power in just admitting to ourselves and to those who are in our lives who are impacted by the mistakes. We made a mistake. Everyone makes them. It's unfortunate when it happens, but it's helpful to look and see if there's anything to be learned. Are there different systems that you could utilize to avoid them in the future and just move forward? Because with time, as you're sharing, Cammie, they do turn into good stories, even though they feel pretty cruddy in the moment. And it just reinforces the power of having that conversation the client had with you, that that in itself was uh, first uh, solutions were provided or some ideas. And I'm sure it's such a relief that it's not that big of a deal, right? We all do this. This person's going to be just fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we can ask our Money Tales guest today if she's ever made any money mistakes. But before we do, I'd like to welcome Adapia Eureko to the Money Tales podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I was nodding the whole time. Yes. You've many been there? Times. Yes. I'm embarrassed. Yes. There's shame. No, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to deal with my own disappointment in myself and their disappointment because I, take such pride in you know, being on top of things. It's hard. We put ourselves on these pedestals and make, make ourselves think that we need to be perfect, but everyone messes up sometimes. And unfortunately that comes with a cost, but we should let ourselves off the hook and just move forward. You're right, Sandy. Adapia, would you introduce yourself and provide in that introduction a couple pivotal moments that have taken place in your life that really impacted who you are today? Sure. I'm Ada Piedrico. I am the co-founder of Women of Wealth. And Women of Wealth is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to moving women across all socioeconomic strata through financial literacy, fluency, and mastery. Because we believe that women at all levels are looking for and need help in getting to that fluency and that mastery. And the more we can do it across that spectrum, the more we can empower women and that creates a more stable society, more stable communities, families, and, and down and down the line. And especially women with means, they'll always turn around and say, how can I give back? And so it's such a beautiful cycle. I just want to say, wow. <laughs> no pun intended. We got a good acronym out of that one. And, you know, just, I guess there have been several 
financially oriented things that have happened in my life. So I, first of all, I started exploring the world of finance when I was 18. And, and so I started working in a bank when I was 18, I joined this program where I started as a teller and I got fast tracked into financial advisor and I was doing university, you know, night school, day school. Like it was just very, I'm very go getting clearly like overachieving, but it taught me so much. And I'm really grateful for everything that I learned. And I'm grateful for the fact I went into that because we don't learn financial anything in school. So only because I chose that. And then I chose a financial specialization in school because of that, that otherwise I thought to be successful, I needed to be a lawyer because I'm really good with words. And so that was where everybody was pushing me was there. And then I wasn't quote unquote good at math, which is true because I almost failed math 12, but then financial math made sense to me. And I did really well because it was applied. And so that started teaching me a little bit about what, what we believe in ourselves. So with that background, and I've worked across different areas of finance and several years ago, I was actually defrauded higher life saving. What? And yeah, in a private placement and the thing about it, then here's that whole shame and disappointment piece is that the, my primary story and the reason I didn't want anyone to know was that I was telling myself I should know better because I know something about finances, which I don't know everything. Clearly nobody does. But at that time that wasn't in my head. In my head was how could you be so stupid? Like I put it all on me, even though I was the victim, but I put it all on me that I, I was my own perpetrator and that was really hard. And in a way, luckily it was only my money because it, I like, I, I wasn't yet married to my husband and it kind of happened in a vacuum when I was also very alone. I didn't have mentors. I didn't have anyone at that time to turn to. And so that there's a lot of, you can imagine like that, that is just so much. It took me a really long time to even tell anyone because then I thought, well, why would they trust me and my judgment? And then that speaks into my whole sense of self. And so it's very precarious inside of me, just all around something that at the end of the day, I did my best and it didn't work out. And if I think about the markets right now and a lot of investments that I've made the past couple of years where they're not looking so good. And I'm sitting here in the same sense of not the same, but man, maybe I'm just not really good at this. Adapia, do you think that is a female trait? It's more female than male. Yeah. I work with a lot of men, colleagues, clients, mentors, and it does tend to be the females in my life who will have that orientation. We personalize it. We think it's our fault. Yeah. Somehow we think that we can't get anything wrong. Looking back on that whole situation, what caused you to ultimately talk about it? And who did you talk to? Well, the first person was, he's my husband now, but he was my boyfriend at the time. And I told like, he was the first person because he was really one of the only people in my life at, at like really at that time. And then I didn't tell anyone else for quite a long time because I was in a transitionary phase with my whole entire life and my career. And it was, I was in this in-between. And when I reinitiated like a career and I went into tech and venture and specifically real estate crowdfunding, and I started getting 
and back into this mix of tech and, and finance. Then there were a couple of people that that I mentioned it to, and they felt safe enough. Since then, I've been able to speak about it a lot more. And so much of what I hear is every single person who's ever made a lot of money has also lost a lot of money. And and it was mostly men, right? At that time for me as well. I mean, there weren't a lot of women that I knew in finance world or the tech world or real estate. I mean, that's just not, this was like a decade ago. And so to hear that at first I thought, well, that's okay for them, but it's not, it's not okay for me. Like, so again, I was, I just will not let myself off the hook and it helped to start having those conversations and that first conversation with my now husband did not go well because he did not understand. It almost at that time created exactly what I feared the most was complete, you know, rejection. And and he didn't say you're stupid or anything, but he just, he got really upset because I never told him that I was even contemplating doing this. So I never sought his advice in the first place. So there's that about the talking and the opening up. And now we have a completely different kind of relationship, obviously also married, where we talk about a lot of investments together so that I get his viewpoint and I don't have to feel like I'm not the investment committee by myself. And it's hard to be the investment committee by yourself. Yeah, it's hardly a committee, is it? (laughs) Right, (laughs) committee of one. What a great opening for you to an unfortunate one, but it sounds like this has been really impactful to your overall relationship if you're now talking very deeply and intimately about your financial lives. We kind of touched on the fact that we don't have financial literacy in schools. We also don't have any training in financial conversations with our spouses. And what's challenging is when you are potentially the spouse that knows more about the finances or handles, which traditionally is men, but obviously like there are a lot of women these days that they handle the household finances and the other person does not. He and I couldn't have been more different in terms of our understanding of money and debt and all, all the things that that we all know really well. And now he understands. So having to explain things that for me came so naturally, and I'm not naturally a gifted teacher in explaining and patience for it was a form of therapy. And I can understand why a lot of couples break up because of it. It's such differing worldviews. And you have to merge them together in the present moment to go into the future. And ultimately, what worked the best was when we were selling our home a few years ago, and we were going to make a substantial amount of money off of it. He's great at math and Excel and science and chemistry. And so I created a little model to explain what we could do with our money and what prices were for homes. And and so we would sit down with an Excel on the computer and have conversations. And that worked. My words did not work, didn't land for his math brain. He needed to see it in numbers. So the model worked where the words didn't. And so it's like that, it's not a love language. It's like a financial love language, but you know, I highly recommend building a model (laughs) and sitting at the computer and having those conversations because at least for me, it worked because you could see it. And it was not such pressure on me to try to explain all the concepts and how everything moves and using words that just didn't land for him. They land for me and the numbers landed better for him than words. And then we were able to get on the same page or Excel sheet in this case and move forward. What 
is really interesting about what you're saying is that you guys kept at it. You kept trying different things and experimenting and you landed on the right approach that allowed you to come together and connect and create this committee of decision-making. I'm wondering, Adipio, when you look back to that time when you were defrauded, what did you learn from that that our listeners can leverage and, and, and learn from? Oh, so much. So it goes back to even the theme of the show is don't be afraid to ask for help. Usually if there's some emotional resistance inside of you, that means you should talk about it. (laughs) If it's uncomfortable, if you feel like there's something about this that I don't want to talk about and I'm trying to sweep it under the rug, that's a pretty like almost 100% sign that you should say something. Like your body is contracting. You can't breathe. You're tight. You're tight. Yeah. Like, right. And when I think about it, like my whole, like my whole torso, just, it just like, even today. Yeah. (laughs) No, absolutely. Because it's still, and I've done a lot of work to clear it and I've done so much work on myself. And so it's really, it's two things. It's that it's definitely that which feeds into intuition because my intuition told me that something was definitely wrong definitely wrong with this. Not right. So something didn't sit right with me, but I didn't trust myself. And in a situation where I felt alone, like it was me trying to figure this out. And there's this conditioning that we have a lot in women of like being a good girl and being polite and don't, and not being aggressive or assertive or like there was these weird dynamics at play. And there was also a lot of psychological manipulation toward me that was really challenging for me to to overcome because there was a fear there of what if I say it the wrong way? And it's a, he's actually a good person. Like I did so much weird mental gymnastics around not wanting to assert myself better about the questions and about getting answers because I didn't want to be rude. That simple. I didn't want to be rude. And something inside of me, and I didn't want to tell anyone because I, I was so embarrassed or ashamed of, I don't know, asking for help, or maybe if it turned out to be true, if they would, somebody would reflect back to me, well, that's, that sounds insane. And and that would make me feel stupid for even considering it. So the spiral of thoughts was just, it, it was just overwhelming. And so I learned about my intuition, trusting it. I learned to push through that discomfort and say it anyway, and ask for help. Because at the end of the day, if the person that you're asking for help from or telling something to, if they kind of turn on you, then that tells you a whole other thing about that person, right? Like, that's like, okay, well, maybe you're not my people. And then in reality, almost everyone would actually say, I want to help you. I don't want you to get hurt and I'll be there for you. So it's a lot about trust, self-trust, trust in others trusting my intuition. And then over time, what I've also learned is there's always going to be another investment opportunity. There's another cycle. There's another deal. There's no need for FOMO. There's no need for the psychological manipulation that is so prevalent in especially smaller private placements. So I learned a lot. You learned a lot. And so much of life, we learn from the things that have downside. We learn a lot from them. And it sounds like your lessons were intense and likely that fed into what you're doing now, 
which sounds so exciting. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about it and what you're drawing from those experiences to now empowering these women around financial literacy, fluency, and mastery. It did because Women of Wealth is, it started off as a mastermind as a community and and then it turned into a nonprofit and now it's turning into financial literacy programs in shelters and in schools. And there's so much programming that, that we want to do. And what I learned that really parlays well into this is I'm not alone. And so many women, everyone in, everyone in the group, everyone in our larger network and community, they'll all say that even when they're out on their own in a negotiation or it's speaking to somebody, they know that the rest of us are there with them. So it gives a sense of strength. You know, it's like you have your posse, you have your sisters there and, and you're doing it for others, not just for yourself. So there's something for us as women, I find we're so connected and we're so oriented around family and networks and, and community where I'm doing something for myself. And I know when I stand up for myself, I'm, I'm really standing up for all women, especially those who can't stand up for themselves. I'm strong enough most days where I can stand up for myself and I can hold, I can hold that strength for other women. And so everything that I learned there, I would say this, if I had had, wow, I wouldn't have even had a second conversation with this person because I would have come back and I would have said, Hey, this opportunity and would have all looked at it and said, Hmm, he doesn't smell quite right. Right. Because we had that. And I wouldn't have felt so alone in that decision and so that's part of this, this power really where, yes, we talk about a lot of financial things. However, the financial things, the outside world stuff is pretty easy. And you know, you do it. It's not that complicated. It's presented as complicated, isn't it? Exactly. And it's not what's complicated is, can I get out of my own way? Can I believe in myself? Can I have the confidence? And that part is also not complex when you're in a community of women who all say, I had the same experience. I have the same feelings where you don't feel so alone and therefore you feel strengthened by these bonds and by knowing that there are others that can reflect back to you something that you might need in that moment. So this is what we are. When we talk with clients, I've mentioned this before on Money Tales, we often point out that there's two sides of money. There's the technical side, but the side that really influences the decisions people make is the emotional side of money. It's the engagement. And what you're talking about is really playing up to women's strengths to drive that engagement and to create safety and engaging with money. And that that's hard for many people to do. So I'm curious, how does WOW go about doing that? How does a new person joining the organization yeah. So in the mastermind, so it's a small intimate group because that's how it started is we're a small group of about 30 women and we do Zoom calls. We do monthly calls. We we get together. We just talk openly. It's almost like a version of a women's circle. A lot of the topics are more oriented around more practical matters in the way it's presented. But then within very, very few seconds, we're into, I'm feeling you know, really not very confident about myself in this or, or in that. And so the engagement is emotional and it's personal. And then when there's a specific topic that we're, that we're covering, that's financial, then we, then we cover that financial topic. And we start with a financial 360 review. So we start with that technically, but then in the conversations, every time it's 
gosh, I don't have a budget. I, I'm ashamed. Don't be ashamed. There's no shame. Like I'm here to eradicate shame, right? Like just, it's okay. Like the, there's some rules and, you know, or, or I should be doing better so much, so much myself included. I should be further along. I should be this. I'm not living up to this. But there's should words. Oh, I hate the shoulds. I hate the shoulds. They're everywhere. And so we, we're dismantling them for each other and for ourselves and just trying, we're always telling each other to like, give ourselves a break, right? Oh, you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. And then other people will say that to me, we'll say it to others, but there's a magic that's hard to describe in words. And it's definitely not technical, but there's something that happens when women come together and speak openly about their issues, their problems, their fears, their money, their money. Adapia, would you bring to life what you mean by a 360 financial review? I think it's really important. And I think listeners would appreciate what that is. Yeah, it's a document that we put together. So my co-founder, Jennifer, she's a risk management specialist. So she does benefits, employee benefits and life insurance and like a lot of expertise in estate planning. Whereas I'm a little more on the investment side, private equity, real estate, alts. And I have a background in all kinds of different sectors of of that, hedge funds, et cetera. So where she's uh, on this side of the spectrum, I'm like way here on the other side, so to speak. When I learned about her world, I thought, oh my, I'm missing a big thing here in my understanding of finances. And she didn't know anything about alternative investments or private equity or venture. She would say that she thought she was on the riskier side of the spectrum in her world because she invests in individual stocks. And then she met me and she was like, wow, you're like (laughs) way up here over to the right. (laughs) So we came together in this understanding of commonalities. Like in a financial 360, we look at what you have. So budget style things, like what are your assets? What are your liabilities? What are your interest rates on your liabilities? A few years ago, we could arbitrage interest rates, right? We could like use your line of credit to do some investing. Like you could arbitrage it a lot better than you can today. Things like what you're paying for different services, where you can find savings in things like student loans, like everything that is the mixture of debt equity insurance, like umbrella insurance was one of the first things she told me to get. I didn't even know about it. So financial 360 is your overall picture of every piece of your finances that you can look at and say, I definitely could do better here. This piece I've got pretty locked in. This one, I don't even know what that is. So maybe we start there. And so we it's about 20 pages. And then I would say a third of those pages also are about our relationship to money. So what are the words? Like, how would you describe your relationship to money? We have the whole risk tolerance questionnaire and, and different things, but a big piece of it is the inner piece because, and that's usually where we start because if we can't get clarity on the inner piece, then all the outer stuff is, is going to be all over the place because we're not really solid and direct and aligned inside of ourselves first. Yeah, we completely agree. You you have to be able to engage else all the literacy, it doesn't stick. Yeah. It just doesn't stick. So I'm curious on the literacy side, how do you view moving from literacy to fluency to mastery? Literacy would be the, you know, like the ABCs, like learning the basics. And we all need the basics, right? Even like it's, I review the basics 
pretty regularly myself because it's easy to go off. And so the literacy is having a basic grasp, just having a, like a, like a basic foundation. I know what debt is. I know what debt does. Literacy is, I know the words and I know what they mean. And I know the concepts. Fluency is our ability to move with those concepts, to take action on those concepts. So to be fluent in something means like feel comfortable. Like in literacy, we might still be a little clunky, like learning a language and we takes us a minute to try to translate what we want to say and and say it. And then the fluency is I'm comfortable enough to talk about it and have a conversation and have a conversation with people who matter. There's confidence in that. And then mastery is the more advanced piece where when we feel that we have all of the basics in place and we really understand what's going on with our finances and where we want to go with our goals, mastery and like levels of mastery are where we can really start to to be a little bolder. Mastery might be some advanced tax strategies, but you can't get to the advanced tax strategies or estate planning strategies if you don't even know what you have or you're not managing your cash flow appropriately. And like there's so much gold in managing cash flow that you can unlock money you didn't even know you had to do certain kinds of investing. And then you can take advantage of the tax code that's there for everyone. Right. I always say, like, nothing's a secret. It's like all out there. We just might not know how to look for it. What I've noticed in the women in the group that have come in who weren't fluent, once they became fluent, they would go off. They're like mm. monsters, like beasts, like they're <laughs> off. Like they're they're doing things, they're coming back, they're fine, they're sharing their findings. And it's like so much fun because that's also it's a collective IQ that comes together. And so the mastery would be as we're moving some women that are moving in their careers, even they're making moves in their careers. We talk about the pay gap. We talk about this kind of stuff, right? And they're like, I'm going to negotiate my worth. I'm going to get it. So then they have a little more money. So that means that they can do other things with it. And then that builds and builds and builds their wealth. So that's how I think about those three things. I like the idea you're creating money monsters. It's so good. <laughs> Adapia, you also touched on something that's really important. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You mentioned that financial conversations with spouses, how we're we're not taught anything about it. And, and I think we all agree how important it is. You've learned a lot through your husband. Do you have any tips that you would recommend people to just start those conversations? I mean, aside from the Excel file. That- <laughs> that's an yeah. example of you found what worked for you guys. So I that's did. one yeah. tip. You know, each person. No, I know. I was joking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I know what doesn't work, which is how we started, which was arguing. (laughs) (laughs) It's so easy to do. It is because this is my position. That's his position. And there's a couple books that have been really important for me. One is Crucial Conversations. That book is outrageous. It's so important. And then nonviolent communication, mm-hmm. which my is, favorite, which is another one. Really excellent. And that word, cause I, I think like, oh gosh, like, gosh, I'm violent in my communication. Like, and it's not a great feeling. Cause you're like, I, you want to hold yourself up to be like a nice person or whatever that is. Like, I'm kind of over the, the nice thing. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm a real person, but I can be better at communicating when things are emotional for me because the emotions are what none of us have been taught to manage period. You know, women have been told that they're weak 
If they're emotional, don't be so emotional. And men have been taught to eat their emotions, to suppress them. So we're, we're not, you know, we're on the same level of playing field in the sense that like we're the dysfunction there is, is rampant on, on all sides. Both sides. And so socialized. Yeah. It's yeah, it is socialized. And so I think for me, and the biggest tip that I would give is to understand the emotion driving what will be the argument essentially is why am I so upset about this or what makes me so upset? And when we can land on that, then I can think about how do I say this differently? And that is side by side with trying to understand how he hears things Mm -hmm. because what I say and what he hears are two completely different things because how I process information and how he processes information is different. My level of understanding and his level of understanding. So there's multitude of things, but it does start with a little bit of just self, a lot of self-awareness and breathing through that did not go how I wanted it to go or didn't get explained the way I was. So let me try again. And we use this thing now that is when it's an important conversation, we'll say what I heard you say, or what I understood that you said is this, is that what you meant? Oh, that's great. So you're, you're just it's clarifying versus making, back with the, yeah, yeah, making assumptions. Like, that's yeah. so smart. Calmly. Yeah. Right. Cause then, <laughs> cause then I, cause then so many times I can say, no, that isn't what I meant. Let me restate it more clearly. And especially with something like money, when you're the one who is more of the one who's managing it or dealing with it the most, you actually have to explain the whole thing. You can't just give the top line to somebody who wants to know all of it. Like you actually have to build the whole concept up. So there's a lot of, you know, Investopedia going on and like a lot of like, cause it's like, listen, like I can explain, but there's certain things I can get there, but then there's other things where I really need you to participate in a different way and inform yourself. Because one thing that I've really noticed is I don't want to be that person to be the one to have to explain and teach and do things. So one of the things that I've been fortunate enough to do over the past few years is work with experts. So the estate person, the insurance person. And we participate in those, especially the first calls, maybe the very first call, like I'll kind of vet people around. And then we participate together in the important calls so that he asks his questions. I ask my questions and that person answers, not me filtering through because I understand so much, right? Because it's easy to say, well, let me explain it to you, but that's actually not okay because it creates a a dynamic in a relationship that I don't think is correct. I'm not the teacher. I'm not the financial advisor. I understand a lot. And you might have a question that for all intents and purposes, I know doesn't matter to this, but he needs to be able to ask it, but he needs to ask that person and hear it from them because I'm both one side of the equation and the middleman. And that's not a good place. That does that doesn't work in a relationship. It's not an even relationship. I really like what you're saying about this communication. It's not just speaking. It's learning how to listen and making sure there's clarity in common understanding, and the idea of bringing in third party advisors to play a role and keep you and your partner on the same level playing field. I want to say money. 
money arguments are not the same as money conversations. And I, I love the de-escalation in, in thoughtfulness and a building awareness and bringing them into more of a conversation. Adapia, tell us, what is your next money conversation going to be and who's it going to be with? Well, my next money conversation is going to be with my husband. Um, <laughs> we need to revisit the estate plan because it, we had one that was really mostly for me before we had a change in our financial situation and pre-COVID and a lot of things happened. And so that's the next, that's the next conversation. Then there's a whole, the budgeting renovation conversation is underway, but the estate one comes first because it's so easy to put off. Oh, Adapia, what an important conversation. Tell our listeners, what's the best place for them to find you? Come and find me on LinkedIn. That is really where I will spend most of my time. I love connecting with people. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Just you know, type Adapia, A-D-A-P-I-A, and I will come up first. And that's a really great place to find me. And if anyone's interested in Women of Wealth, it's womenofwealth.com, but with an X, W-O-M-X-N. We use the X to be inclusive of all women and females. So womenofwealth.com is the website. Thank you very much for sharing your stories, getting vulnerable and showing us we can all make mistakes. We can learn from it and it's all solvable, right? (laughs) And thanks for joining us on the Money Tales podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Money Tales podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, Share it with someone you think would benefit from listening and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Your ratings and reviews help more people find our podcast. If you're inspired to gain clarity and peace of mind about financial matters, don't hesitate to reach out to our team at Asperient. Go to asperient.com forward slash start a dialogue. Or you can email Sandy and me at podcasts at See you next time.